And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. You know, I, I read the other day about the how the University of Virginia was having an open house for everybody that lives in Charlottesville, Virginia. They said, you may see the school, but you've never seen us up close. We want you to come and get to know us. And so this one fellow, he was a farmer and he was a very country guy. He came to the University of Virginia that year and he was very young and unmarried and single guy. And he was, he was just wowed by all those beautiful co-eds that were there on the campus. And he saw this one beautiful girl and he says, well, have you always studied here at the University of Virginia? And she said, no. He said, well, where did you study? And she said, Yale. And he said, have you always studied here at the University of Virginia? She said, no. He said, where did you study? She said, Yale. He says, have you always studied here? You got it. I thought that was funny. Last week, last week we talked about, about choosing hope and the power of personal choices. We're in that, in that series. And today we're going to talk about choosing to stand on God's promises. And I shared with you last week that it just seems to me over the last several months, something has shifted, something has changed in our nation, and it's not for the good. It's almost like a spirit of darkness and confusion is coming upon our government to a greater extent than we've ever seen. It's also becoming on the political process. Did you notice there were riots in New Mexico and in California at political celebrations? There were riots our nation's just confused about a lot of things. We talked about it last week. We're confused about which bathrooms to use. We're confused about so many things. And Jesus tells us that there's two kind of wisdom in this world. There's a wisdom that's from below, that's earthly, sensual, and demonic, and it results in envy and self-seeking and confusion and every evil thing. And then there's a wisdom from above, a wisdom from above that's first of all pure and peaceable and gentle and willing to yield and full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And if, if ever there was a time that you and I I need the wisdom of God in our lives. If we ever needed the wisdom of God for our government and for our economy and for our land and for our culture, it's today. And there are a lot of people that are cursing the darkness. There are a lot of people that are frustrated, they're scared, they're nervous, and they're worried. And last week we looked at this wonderful promise from Jeremiah 29, 11. I want you to read this again with me aloud and loudly. Use your best memorial weekend voice. Here we go. Everyone together. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. Now, I'm not going to re-preach the message from last week. If you'd like to, 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 to hear it, you can actually go to our website. Website. Just go to www.evangelag.org, click on the media tab and scroll down, go on past the television programs and the worship, and you'll find podcasts. Just press on podcasts there, and you can download it to your device, to your smartphone, your tablet, or your computer. 
but I would remind you this. Jeremiah 29 was written at a time when King Nebuchadnezzar and his armies had come and they had raped and pillaged the lands of Israel and Judah. They had destroyed the cities. They had actually disrupted the agricultural economy. They had left devastation and ruin and millions of dead people behind them. And then they had had the audacity to take hundreds of thousands of people captive to the land of Babylon, to modern-day Iraq. They, they make them, they're, they chain, they're, up, they're, they're put in chains, and they're making them walk the 600 miles from Jerusalem all the way up to modern-day Iraq. And there, they're, they're in a relocation program, and life is no fun. That included some people that we know about, people like Daniel, people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, people like Mordecai, people like the parents of his niece, whose name was Esther, who became the queen, people like Nehemiah, who rebuilt the temple, and people like Ezra, who uh, Nehemiah rebuilt the walls, and Ezra rebuilt the temple. And folks, though their government and economies had failed them, God says, I've got a purpose for you. You've been taken captive, but I've got a purpose for you. Our God is a purpose-driven God. And here's what I want to say to you. Though we're seeing America go in a direction we're not happy about, though we're seeing biblical values just vanish, though we're seeing people making decisions based on who knows what, though things don't seem to be working out, I'm telling you, God still has a plan for you. God hasn't forgotten about you. He's a purpose-driven God, and he's got a purpose, and he's got a hope for you, and you and I need to embrace that this morning. God says, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. That word peace means health and welfare and prosperity and every kind of good for you. God is thinking about your health, your welfare, your prosperity, every kind of good for you. He said thoughts of good and not of evil. That word in the Hebrew that's translated evil in in, uh Jeremiah 29, 11 is translated as raw, R-A, and in other passages, it's translated as adversity, affliction, bad, calamity. God is not thinking about adversity for you this morning, or affliction, or bad, or calamity, or grief, or mischief, or misery, or sorrow, or trouble. He doesn't want you to be vexed, and he doesn't want you to be wretched. He says, the thoughts I think towards you are thoughts of good and not of evil. And then out of the King James Version, I want us to look at this verse one more time. And I'm simply setting the stage for what we're going to talk about this morning. He says again, Proverbs 29, excuse me, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you and, say this with me, with me an expected end. Everybody say that again. An expected end. Expected is also translated as hope in Hosea chapter 2, verse 15. And in Joshua chapter 3, verse 18, you'll remember the prostitute Rahab had taken a scarlet cord and she had tied it in the window and she had let the spies out. And the spies had actually said, when we come back, we're going to destroy this city. However, if we see this scarlet cord hanging from your window, everyone in your house is going to be safe and your house will be safe. Did you know that in the Hebrew, the word that's here translated, I thought this scarlet might be translated from something red. It's actually translated from the same word that means hope. That scarlet cord, that scarlet rope represented a future and a hope and an expected end for Rahab and her family. 
Outside in Jericho, everything was utter destruction. Outside, there was death. Outside, people and animals were being annihilated. But inside, there was hope. And there's a, there's a word in that for you today. I don't know what's going to happen to the world. In fact, I don't feel very good about the world. But I know this. The people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And you're not on the same level as sinners and unbelievers. I really believe that God says, hey, if you'll exercise your faith in me, and not allow CNN and Fox News to prophesy to you. If you'll exercise your faith in me and you'll trust me, I'm still at work. And I still have plans that you haven't even thought about. Now, Jeremiah 29 verse 10 tells us that the captivity in Jerusalem was to last 70 years. Now, think about that for a minute. 70 long years. The captivity in, in Babylon was not going to last a week, and it wasn't going to last a month, and it wasn't going to last one year, or two years, or three years, or five years, or ten years. It was going to last 70 years. There were a whole lot of people that were taken captive that were going to die as captives. There were a whole lot of people that were going to be born in captivity who were going to die in captivity. And yet, look at what the word of the Lord through Jeremiah was to them. Look at Jeremiah 29, verses 5 through 7. He says, I want you to do some things. I know you don't like the government. I know there's an antichrist government. I know life is not so good. I know the economy stinks. I know Things are not the way it used to be. But I've got a word for you, and here's the word. I want you to build houses and dwell in them. I want you to plant gardens and eat their fruit. I want you to take wives and, and have sons and daughters, and I want you to take wives for your sons and, 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 and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, that they may be increased and not diminished. Verse 7, he says, and seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in his peace you will have peace. I believe there's a word of the Lord for you and me. Things may not be the way we want them to be. We may not like what's happening to our right and to our left, but I'm telling you, God says, I still have plans for you. And don't you plan to just, to just Put your head in a hole and, 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 and quit living. You plan to keep on living because I still got plans for you. I want you to still go ahead and buy some houses. I want you to build your houses. I want you to get married. I want you to have babies. I want you to have grandbabies. I want you to pray for the peace of Tallahassee, Florida. Because in the peace of Tallahassee, Florida is your peace. Somebody say hallelujah. You say, well, Tara, why, why 70 years of captivity. Why didn't God just deliver them after a month or two? I think maybe it's because God knew that in the ages to come, there might be a people who would live in an ungodly culture that would watch their government get so confused that they wouldn't even know which bathroom to send people to. I think in the ages to come, he might just see a people who would find themselves living at a time when truth is falling in the streets and the foundations are being destroyed and people are turning their backs on, on the Lord Jesus Christ. And God says, though your culture may be ungodly and though it doesn't honor the word of God though it doesn't honor the Lord Jesus Christ you can still be blessed and you can still prosper because I've got a purpose for you 
Oh, I've had people say, well, if so-and-so was elected president, I just don't know what's going to happen to us. Oh, woe is me. Woe is me. No, woe is me. Everybody look at me. I don't care who is elected president. It's not going to be the first time that, that a country's had somebody that is serving as president that maybe should not be. Come on now. It's not, we, we, we don't suffer the way third world nations do. Somebody say, oh man, look at gas prices. Look at how expensive food is. I know that we're having inflation. I understand that. But man, I remember the first time I went down to Peru in 1990 when the Shiny Path Gorillas were on the war path and they were killing people left and right. And, and you would drive by factories in, in Lima, Peru, and those factories would have barbed wire and Constantino wire and walls around them. And they would have guard towers and men with, with machine guns standing there, with Uzi submachine guns standing there. First time I went by a factory, I thought it was a prison. They said, no, this is a factory because the shiny path is trying to disrupt the economy by blowing up all of the factories. Every time I got in a car, they used a long-handled mirror to put under the car and search for bombs. I told you last week, they assigned a bodyguard to me and I didn't, they didn't tell me who he was. I just noticed after the second day, this fellow kept following me. And I started going this way and going that way. And I thought, I'm going to get away from this guy. Then only then did they say, oh, that's all right. He's packing. He's for you. He's your bodyguard. I remember preaching in a small assembly of God church. And they gave me, it was the most amazing thing. They gave me a stack of money like this for preaching there. And it was yellow and blue and green. And I learned that the, the economy was so bad that every month the government printed new they came out with new money, and, and their equivalent of a dollar is what's called a sola. And, and it, it, was, it was just, it was stacked like this. The, the inflation got so bad that they, they actually published a $5 million note. Can you believe that? A $5 million sola. Anyway, they give me this stack of bills, and I'm thinking, wow, I'm rich, and they've sacrificed and I got it back to Pastor Robert Barrett. I said, Robert, how much is that? He says, oh, it's about $1.30. <laughs> Glory to God. Folks, people have lived through very, very bad times and bad governments and bad cultures and bad inflation. And, 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 and they've lived through misery. And I'm telling you something, folks. I don't know about the world, but I know about you. God has got a plan for you. He's a purpose-driven God. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. David said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging bread. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Folks, there are times that our life and our circumstances will try to prophesy to you. There are times you'll have, I wish I could stand here today and tell you that every day that I have is just a great day. I wish I could tell you that, that man, I'm just on cloud nine and having a great time and, you know. But sometimes I have some of those days just like you do. And sometimes there are some of those people that make some of those days difficult. <laughs> and sometimes there are challenges and there are problems and there are headaches and there are heartaches and things I don't have the answer to. 
But I'm telling you, I serve a God and you serve a God that's bigger than a bad day. I serve a God and you serve a God that's bigger than a bad week. He's bigger than a bad month. He's bigger than a bad year. He's bigger than a bad decade. He's the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords. And he's at work to will and to do of his good pleasure in our lives in ways that we never dreamed about. Can you say hallelujah? Here's the deal. Don't let your bad days prophesy to you. Don't let your, your, your difficult circumstances prophesy to you. I'm not going to go back and, 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 and preach Jeremiah 29 again, but I just remind you, Jeremiah kept saying, don't listen to the false prophets. Don't you let difficulties prophesy to you. The people that know their God shall be strong, the Bible says, and they shall do exploits. Then last week we also, we looked at this scripture, Zechariah chapter 9 verse 12. I want you to read this aloud and loudly with me. Come on, return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. Return to your fortress. The King James Version says, return to your stronghold, O prisoner of hope. Every one of us need to say, oh Lord God, would you help me to be a prisoner of hope? God, would you help me to go back to the stronghold? I know in the New Testament, stronghold is negative. Second Corinthians 10, three through five, for the, we don't walk in the flesh, though we walk in the flesh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, pulling down Every high and lofty thing, every imagination that would raise itself up against the knowledge of God. I understand that in the New Testament, a stronghold is a system of thought empowered by our emotions that's contrary to the will of God and to the word of God. Fear can be a stronghold. And in the name of Jesus, you can pull it down and say, you spirit of fear, you may have come in one way, but you got to flee seven ways in Jesus' name. Lust can be a stronghold. You can take authority over that spirit of lust. Greed can be a stronghold. Um, hatred can be a stronghold, okay? In the Old Testament, though, strongholds are good things because strongholds speak of places of security. Strongholds speak of places of, of blessing. Strongholds speak of places of, of, of God taking care of us. Now, return to your fortress. Return to your stronghold, oh, prisoners of hope. There are some of you this morning, I'm revisiting this because there's some of you this morning, you just need to say, God, would you help me to return to the stronghold of hope? God, would you help me to be a prisoner of hope and not a prisoner of despair? Would you help me to be a prisoner of hope and not a prisoner of fear? God, would you help me to be a prisoner of hope and not a, not a prisoner of discouragement? God, would you help me to be a prisoner of hope instead of a prisoner of worry? Glory to God. We all need to allow ourselves to be taken captive by hope. Folks, hope is a positive expectation of a wonderful good. And we need to be a people of hope. We need to be expecting hope. And we need to be speaking hope to other people. Somebody say hallelujah. In Daniel chapter 9, in Daniel chapter 9, we find Daniel, who's a captive in Babylon. Now, he's done exactly what Jeremiah said to do, build houses, In fact, Daniel has risen through the favor of God. He's risen up to be prime minister of the land. But we find him reading the book of Jeremiah. Now think about this. Just like you and I might be reading in the book of Jeremiah, 
Daniel, too, was reading in, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, and he realizes that the time of the captivity was to be only 70 years. And so Daniel is counting. He says, well, you know what? It's almost time for those 70 years to be over with. Now, let's, let's begin in verse 1 of Daniel, chapter 9. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Hazaruas, who became king of the Babylonians. And during the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. It is a powerful way to pray when you pray God's word. I've had people say, well, I I tried to pray. Pastor, I know you had those days of prayer and fasting, and I try to pray, and pastor, I'll pray for two or three minutes, and I just give out. Well, if you just pray out of your own understanding, you might give out. But thank God you can pray in the Holy Ghost, and thank God you can pray God's word. Hallelujah. There's a wonderful promise. In fact, I, I don't have it on the screens. Guys, you might be able to find it. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 24. And this is out of the New American Standard Translation. There's a wonderful promise that, that Kathy and I have stood on over the years. You know, I was serving as an associate pastor in St. Augustine. And God began to speak to Kathy and about going to Virginia Beach and enrolling at Regent University. And frankly, it scared me to death because I wasn't that good of an undergraduate student. And I wasn't sure I had the grades to do well at the graduate level. And yet I just knew the Holy Spirit kept dealing with my heart. And it was at that time I came across 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24. And it says this. It says, faithful is he who calls you who will also There it is. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. One translation says, faithful is he that has called you, who will also bring it to pass. And every time I would pray about going up to Regent University, this scripture would jump in my heart. Faithful is he that has called you, who will also bring it to pass. And so Kathy and I began praying that scripture. We got up to Virginia Beach, and we just continued to pray, God, you're faithful you're going to bring it to pass. God, you're going to meet every need. You're going to be faithful. You're going to show yourself true. I became a pastor in Virginia Beach. We just kept kept quoting that scripture and praying that scripture. Then when we were up there for 10 years, and then God put it in our hearts to move to Illinois and plant a church. And we moved to the North Shore of Chicago to plant a church. Let me tell you what we were standing on. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. I didn't have a line of credit from the bank. I didn't have a whole lot of people lining up saying, hey, we want your church to be successful. We're going to work with you. But I had a promise from God. Faithful is he that calls you who will also bring it to pass. I would I would drive the streets of the North Shore of Chicago, which has more Jewish synagogues than it has churches, and it has most of those churches are Catholic. Seventy percent of that part of, of Chicago is 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 Catholic. And, I mean, we didn't even have a Baptist church in Lake Forest, Illinois. And I would drive along there, and I would just pray, faithful as he that has called me. I would walk down the street, and I would say, faithful as he that has called me. I would introduce myself to people and invite them to church. And some of them would look at me like I was from Mars. I said, faithful as he that has called me, who will also bring it to pass. Man, when God called us 14 years ago, when God called us to come back home to Pastor Evangel, 
We never dreamed this was part of God's plans for us. But how many know God's got plans for good and not for evil to give us a future and a hope? We kept standing on 1 Thessalonians 5.24. I moved down here, and, and, and I was down here for four months without Kathy and the children because we couldn't sell the house. In fact, I think it was five months I was down here. And I'll tell you what, it got lonely. I would be here. I, I didn't have. I was living with mom and dad at the time, and I'd come here to the church, and and I would walk the hallways, especially over back on the education building. I'd go back down to the to the Thrive Youth Room, and I would pray, and I'd walk. How many of you know a big old building at eleven, twelve o'clock at night makes some funny sounds? Man, this old building was just groaning and creaking at times. But I'm praying faithful is he that has called us who will also bring it to pass. Faithful, God, you're going to help us. It took us nine months. But you know what? God helped us to sell that house. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Faithful is he that has called us who will also bring it to pass. You know what scripture I'm standing on today? I'm standing on 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Faithful is he that has called me who will also bring it to pass. Glory to God. You're always on solid footing when you're praying the word of God. That's what Daniel was doing. He was praying the word of God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I've wondered at times, you know, why don't we see more people praying the word of God? Why don't we see... More people standing on your word. And I, I, I thought about Isaiah chapter 55. You know the old devil's a liar? I said the devil's a liar. Isaiah 55. We... um. In fact, I'm going to come back to that. Let's go to Isaiah 43 right now. Let me just show you something. Verses 25 through 26. Isaiah 43, 25 through 26. I'm using the New King James, guys, if you're going to try to find it. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Folks, I think one of the reasons why we don't pray more, one of the reasons why we don't stand on God's word, because the old devil comes along and he says, who do you think you are praying? Well, look at what you did yesterday. Look at what you said day before yesterday. Look at... And he tries to fill you with a sense of condemnation. He tries to cripple you with an arthritic spirit of condemnation. Now, now we know that Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Now look at verse 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. What's he talking about here? He's talking about, I, even I, this is verse 25, He says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. He says, I'm not going to remember them. So here's the deal. Sometimes the devil will bring back a picture from your past. And his intention is to cripple you, to make you so conscious of where you blew it. To make you so conscious of, folks, I'm going to be honest with you. As a pastor over the years, I have preached some really smelly 
messages. I've preached so bad at times that I've told God, God, I will never try to preach again. You just get somebody else. And that's exactly what the devil wants me or any other pastor to say and do. And that's what the devil wants you to do. You can say, well, I did that and I blew it. It didn't work out. Well, number one, we got to quit thinking about ourselves so much. And number two, we got to realize that there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the, for the life of this, for the, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and the law of death. And he says here, I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. Now let's go to verse 26. He says, put me in remembrance. Let us, what are we to put him in remembrance of? I think the best thing, I, I don't have a whole lot good about me to put him in remembrance of, but I got a whole lot good about Jesus and about the cross and about the blood and about the empty tomb that I can put him in remembrance of. I can rem- put him in remembrance of his grace and his mercy. That's what Daniel actually ends up doing here in chapter 9. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Hallelujah. Now let's go over there to Isaiah 55 verse 13. You know, Kathy and I came here in 2002, moved back home. In the year 2000, a, 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 an evangelist who had a prophetic ministry, Dick Mills is his name. He's now with the Lord. He's from California. Dick preached for me, and Dick was often used of God. He would give people scriptures. He wouldn't, he wouldn't say, thus saith the Lord, and prophesy as much as he would just give you a scripture. He says, I think the Holy Spirit would give you this scripture. And uh, so he gave me Isaiah 55, verse 13. It says, instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. He gives me this verse, and I'm thinking, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm not going to have any thorns or or briars? We're pastoring in Illinois. We never think we're going to leave. We planted the church. We thought this is our destiny. We're going to be here. God is blessing. Two of our girls have already gotten out of high school, and they're in college. And our last one is 15 years old. Our youngest is 15 years of age, and she's a cheerleader, and she sure doesn't want to move. And he gives me this scripture. Well, I'll tell you what I've learned to do over the years. The Bible says we've got to judge prophecy, right? And when it's scripture, you can pray it. So I just kept praying this. I just, I, every day I would say, Lord, I thank you that instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Now, I really did not understand really what I was praying, but I'd been praying it for years and years. Well, in 2002, Kathy and I become pastors of Evangel Assembly of God. In 2003, I'm with Brother Charles Bissell. Raise your hand, Brother Charles. I'm with Brother Charles Bissell. He says, Terrell, you need to get away from the office. You need to have a hobby. I'm going to make you a fisherman. I said, fine. I haven't fished in a long time. He took me in his boat. We went out to Lake Mississippi. Mike, it's good to see you today, buddy. Good to have you home. We went out to Lake Mississippi. We're, we're, we're fishing and there's, there's, there's gators all over. These bull gators are just snorting and making those sounds. How do, what kind of sounds do they make? Growling, yeah. 
And, and I'm looking and I'm noticing all the trees and suddenly it dawns on me that those trees growing in Lake Mississippi are cypress trees. I got on the phone with Kathy when we left, when I left him at Lake Mississippi. By the way, we didn't catch any fish that day, but it was fun. I got on the phone with Kathy. I said, Kathy, what kind of trees are those in our front yard? She said, Terrell, they're called crepe myrtles. I got news for you. Cypress trees and crepe myrtles don't grow in Chicago. It gets too cold. The Holy Ghost was speaking through that man and through his word two years before it ever came to pass and three or four years before it ever dawned on my lightning fast mind instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree and it shall be to the Lord for a name for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off I realize that's an unusual illustration. I'm just telling you, folks, it pays to pray the word of God. That's what Daniel's doing here. Verse 4, he said, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, you're a great and awesome God. You will always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. If you don't know what else to pray, pray about God's love and his faithfulness. Verse 5, but we have sinned. We've done wrong. We've rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We've refused to listen to your servants, the prophets. Prophets who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors and all the people of the land. Lord, you are in the right, but as, as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel, scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you. O oh Lord, we and our kings, princes, and ancestors are covered with shame because we've sinned against you. Now Daniel himself had not gone out and committed these sins, but his forebearers had, and the people of Israel had. So he's standing as a representative. He's repenting for everybody. Verse 9, I love this. But the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God, for we have not followed the instructions he gave us through his servants, the prophets. And folks, God used Daniel's prayers to see the fulfillment of Jeremiah 29 and the exile ended and it wasn't long before King Cyrus he actually finances Ezra to go back and start rebuilding the temple and then and then another king finances Nehemiah to go back and start rebuilding the walls everybody look at me I'm going to land this plane today is May the 29th the year is 2016 Seventy-six years ago this weekend, modern history changed because of prayer. In May 1940, it looked like Adolf Hitler and his Nazi armies were going to totally dominate Europe. Seven years earlier, Hitler had gotten full the full reins of power in Germany. And he had spent seven years rearming the armed forces of, 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 of Germany, getting them ready for world conquest. On September 1st, 1939, 
he invaded Poland and he conquered Poland so fast. Do you know that the Poles, that the Polish people were still fighting with World War I instruments of war? The fact, fact, history says that they were, they had cannons that were being drawn by horses and by mules trying to fight Hitler's mechanized army. And there were no, the conquest was really quick. Then Hitler's troops rumbled, get this, they rumbled unopposed almost through Norway, Denmark, Holland, Luxembourg, and Belgium. The French army, which many thought if there's any army in Europe that can stand up to the Nazis, it's the French. Did you know that Nazi Germany defeated France in 40 days? In 40 days, nearly 500,000 British and French troops were on the coast of France in a little enclave called Dunkirk. Now, here was the scary thing. They're in Dunkirk, and the tanks and the soldiers, hundreds of thousands of them, of Nazi Germany are just 15 miles away. They're marching. The Air Force, the German Air Force under Hermann Göring's leadership was strafing and bobbing these 500,000 allied forces on a daily basis when the weather permitted. Great Britain was in a panic. Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain had said, we want peace no matter what. We want peace in our time. And he was disgraced and he had to resign. And in his place, there came a fellow that a lot of people didn't like. His name was Winston Churchill. And it appeared that Adolf Hitler and the Nazis were going to conquer Europe. Now, at this point in time, America is not in the war. In fact, President Roosevelt and, and many said, you know, we've got to have an American first ideal, and we just can't get into the war. And it took Pearl Harbor and the Japanese attacking us to get us in the war. Members of Parliament thought it was the end of the British Empire as they knew it. But a national day of prayer was called on May the 23rd. They said, on May the 23rd, they said, King George sent out a letter the Church of England got behind it. The Roman Catholic Church got behind it. The Lutheran Church got behind it. The Methodist Church, the Baptist Church, the Pentecostal churches. They said, we need to have a national day of prayer because we need a miracle. So Sunday, May 26th, will be a national day of prayer. Now, mind you, now, mind you, that a call went out on the 23rd. And what happened is that on the 24th, there were groups of people in some churches that began a complete fast. They began fasting. They began praying. They began seeking God. And it's amazing that on the 24th of May, that Adolf Hitler ordered his armies to halt. 15 miles away, he just orders them to halt. His generals were angry. They said, Fuhrer, this is a wrong decision. But he would not change his mind people are fasting and praying. And then on the 26th of May, people from all over the British Isles, they said there were hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that jammed into churches and people began to cry out out to God. They began to repent of their sin and they began to say, God, have mercy upon our sons and upon our husbands, upon our brothers, upon all these men that are at Dunkirk. Have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. Now think about this. Hitler And his Nazi troops had victory in their hand. Fifteen miles away. Fifteen miles away. And yet he gives the order to stop. And nobody can figure out why. For nine critical days, from the, from the 
26th of May through the end of the first week in June, for nine critical days, England starts getting those men off the shores of Dunkirk. In fact, it was at 7 p.m. on Sunday, May the 26th, that the order was given to evacuate. And they didn't have enough military vessels to evacuate all of those men from Dunkirk. And so they asked for private fishing vessels. And and anybody that had a boat, anybody that had a yacht, anybody that had anything to float to go over that treacherous English channel. What is it, 25, 26, 27 miles? What is it, George? About 26 miles to go over that treacherous English channel and pick up as many men as they could. Now, I want you to hear this. On May the 29th, 47,000 men were rescued. On May 30th, 53,000 men were rescued. On May 31st, 68,000 men were rescued. On June 1st, 64,000 men were rescued. And all over 336,000 men found their way to safety across the English Channel. And British historians have written, says, we can't understand why in the world Hitler would stop everything and just let us get away folks i want you to know there was a god there was a god when daniel went into the lion's den and he stopped the lion's mouths there was a god when shadrach meshach and abednego went in the fiery furnace oh they didn't get delivered out of the furnace they got delivered in the furnace folks some of you may be walking through some hot spots some of you may be going through some difficult spots and you've been saying god get me out of this maybe god's not going to get you out of it but he's going to deliver you in the midst of it Old Nebuchadnezzar looks in there and says, didn't we throw three men in? And I see four men, and the fourth looks like the Son of Man. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, Jesus will get right there with you in the middle of your fiery furnace. He'll be right there with you in the middle of that problem, in the middle of that heartache. He says, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. And I know the plans I've got for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future. And to give you a hope. I just believe that the Holy Spirit was listening as those hundreds of thousands of men and women humbled themselves and began to pray and say, God, would you spare the lives of our sons? Would you spare the lives of our fathers and of our brothers? God, we need a miracle, Lord God. Would you keep us from the hand of this tyrant, God? Would you keep us from Hitler? Glory to God. It's Memorial Day weekend. We're honoring those who have given their lives. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Brother Norm, come on to the keyboard. Worship team, come on up here. It's a holiday weekend. I hope you don't have to go to work tomorrow. If you do, I say God bless you. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Because we don't have the constraints that we, all, that we, that we do other times because it's a holiday. I'm going to ask everybody to make your way down front to this altar area, all over this house, everywhere. Let's come and let's have a holiday time of pressing into God. Say, I think we need to press into God for this nation. We need to stand in the gap and make up the hedge for this nation. We need to pray for the Democrats. We need to pray for the Republicans. We need to pray for the independents. We need to pray for our servicemen and women. We need to pray for our police officers. Oh, we need to we need to pray for them. Just come on in as close as you can behind others, if you will, so everybody can make their way up here. 
Oh, we need to, the Bible says that when Zion travailed, sons and daughters are born in the kingdom. We need to see and we want to see a revival. We want to see God doing amazing, amazing things that only he can do. Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Lord God, we come to you today. God, we thank you for those that have given their lives in defense of this nation. And God, we pray for their family members. We pray for their children. God, we pray for their loved ones. We ask you to do what only you can do for them and strengthen them, God, meet their needs. And God, we just come to you. We just, I think about Daniel repenting of the sins of of their land, God. Father, we repent of the sins of America, God. We repent of racism. God, we're seeing racism and hatred rear its ugly head for a new generation. And God, we repent. Oh, Jesus, we repent of hatred, God, and selfishness and disunity. God, we repent of bitterness. Oh, God, we repent. God, the church is, is by and large prayerless. And God, we, we repent of being a prayerless church, Lord God. God, we repent of being a nation that doesn't honor you. God, we repent of abortion, God. And God, we repent of sexual perversion. God, we repent of wickedness, Lord God. We repent of, 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 of substance use, God drug dependency and alcoholism and God depending on on, on things other than you oh Jesus we repent God we repent we thank you that you're a God of grace and glory we thank you Jesus that you're a work in our lives we thank you for your mercy God oh saints if you've got sin in your life just go ahead and repent get rid of it right now God I repent come on just tell him I repent right now in Jesus name God, we repent, we, we, we pray for, for our armed forces around We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.